0: two of long hair do care this is a podcast about queer intersectional ecofeminist topics and i am your host georgie Quirkery. pronouns she her hers also happy to go by they them theirs and today's topic is red rocks music festival something that i've been wanting to talk about for the past several months since it happened because i know so many people who were just fucking stoked about it and couldn't stop talking about it my special guests today are Liz Pitts, pronouns she, they, and they are the logistics director of Red Rocks, and a returning guest, Hillary McDaniel, pronouns she, they, they are the production director for Red Rocks Music Festival. And just a reminder, Hillary was on the episode about SLC Rock Camp, so two music things for Hillary, two stars for you. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thanks, Georgie. Good to be here. <laughs> I am excited to have you on. And the first question I have for the both of you, Liz, I'll ask you first, what are you most excited to talk about today? What are you excited to share about Red Rocks?
1: I'm most excited to talk about the amazing feeling and culture of the space when an event like this happens. Awesome. That,
2: yeah, that's what I hear most about it. How about you, Hillary? Well, since I'm in charge of booking the performers, that's usually what I love to talk about. And what I get the most excited about is who we put on stage and their identities and kind of the messages that they portray in their in their songwriting.
0: Cool. I'm excited to hear more about that. Before we jump into the topic, per usual, we have to talk about a few things. And the first one is the uh, cats we've interacted with uh, in the past week slash month slash whatever time frame really works for you. Liz... When I say interacted with, it's the cats that you've pet and love. And
1: (laughs) I'll I'll let
0: you go first. I know you have a cat. Okay, I
1: have one cat, but there are four cats in my house somehow. Four? Well, anyway, my downstairs renter (laughs) has two cats and my neighbor has a cat as well. So my cat's named Puss, and she's really mellow, and she has a damaged chin. So when she wakes up sometimes, she wakes up with bed chin, and that's the best thing about Puss. What's bed chin? Bed chin is like bed head, except her chin is all wonky when she's Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) And then my neighbor's cat is Pinot Noir, because he's a black cat, so hence the noir part. And he decided (laughs) to live at my house because his family has multiple dogs oh, so he would yeah. rather be in the in the cat house I get that so to speak yep. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and then my downstairs neighbor cats Moira and Data yep who cute little floofers we've talked
0: about a lot on this podcast <laughs> shout out to Moira and Data and Beck
2: the yeah. human of the cats <laughs> Hilary how about you? Well, I have a couple of dogs, um, but I did interact with some cats last week, and the cats I interacted with was were Moira, Moira <laughs> and Data.
1: Um, they're famous. They're, they're so famous. popular. Yeah, my, if only
2: they knew. <laughs> my dogs came over to visit, and they mostly hid in the back room, but I did get to see some cats, but I did not get to pet some cats, so that was a yeah. little bit of a bummer. But next time, yeah. no dogs, just cats. Yeah.
0: Cats can be elusive, for sure. Lessons Mm -hmm. in consent, which is actually something that Beck said. The cats I saw last month in January were a lot of cats in Mexico, because I was in Mexico, and it was awesome. I pet two cats, and I was told not to by my friends, because they're all feral, but they're really sweet, and I have no regrets. And then I saw Captain Hammy, who I've also mentioned before on the podcast Captain Hammy has this really flat face, so his nose is not, it doesn't protrude out past his eyes, and he tries to pick up snacks like popcorn, and it just doesn't work, and it's really cute. I love Captain Hammy. For wildlife, have either of you seen any wildlife recently? Anything fun? You've been skiing, Liz. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of wildlife up at the ski resort yet this year. However, when I am driving up to Deer Valley, I have seen elk. I've seen some elk along the side of the road. Yeah. Just having little snacks. <laughs> That's
2: pretty cool. I, I haven't been out in the wilderness for a little while, but I did go to Liberty Park earlier today, and I saw some geese, and I Ooh. saw some ducks. <laughs> so that was pretty exciting. And I was there with some kids, so it was even more exciting. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's a hot spot for all those birds yeah. and seagulls. I'm going to brag more because I went to Mexico and I saw some awesome wildlife. I saw three sea turtles while I was snorkeling. That's pretty sure the one where you don't go under the water. You're just floating up top. Mm-hmm. And I kept mixing that up. But three sea turtles and a stingray and a little coral reef. And then my friends and I, we decided on a whim to do paragliding or parasailing, the one where you're pulled behind a boat. When we were up there... We saw this sea turtle come from the bottom of the ocean to get some air and then go back down, and it was just such a magical moment. Very cool. Yeah, I was with my friends Jess Braun and Liz Wilhelmsen. It was just awesome. I also put down in my notes that I saw a deer. I don't remember seeing a deer, but... I saw a deer. (laughs) So conscious content consumption for this month's episode. I have an Instagram that I think folks should follow, but do either of you have something you'd like to share first?
2: I wrote down a a quote from a poet. So not an actual poem from this poet, but something that a friend of mine shared with me. I would say it's been like three weeks and every day I've thought about it. The poet's name is Federico Garcia Lorca. And this quote just, I don't know. Like I said, I've thought about it every day and I think it really ties into to Red Rocks and just how art is really a connector of people. So it goes, the poem, the song, the picture is only water drawn from the well of the people and it should be given back to them in a cup of beauty so they may drink and in drinking understand themselves. Ooh. That's a I, good one. Yeah, I, I think about that a lot. I think about how capitalism affects art and how sometimes we don't really think about art belonging to the people and finding a way to just give it back to them and what the purpose is of art. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow, yeah, that was that was a good quote. I, <laughs> we'll look up the rest of the poem later. Yeah. What was the name of the poet?
2: The poet's name is Federico Garcia Lorca. Cool.
0: Well, good on your friend for sharing that with yeah. you. I'll go ahead next and share mine. Like I said, it's an Instagram page slash profile. I'm still not sure what the difference is because I'm not great at Instagram yet, but it's unlikely hikers at unlikely hikers and I wanted to share this because I have a number of friends who are on Instagram a lot and I know that they've been following people who make them feel like they should be something else and that they need to be thinner that they need to be blonder that they need to be whatever and that's really hard for me to watch and it's hard to get over that and one recommendation I heard from my favorite podcast the Bechtel cast was like you should follow diverse people on Instagram, if that's where you're at. Being on Instagram isn't inherently bad, but you do need to diversify what you look at and make sure that the messages you're receiving aren't, you suck. And I'm in grad school, so I read this research paper, and the research paper is unlikely hikers, question mark, activism, Instagram, and the queer mobilities of fat hikers, women hiking alone, and hikers of color and it's by Fiona Stanley. She published this paper in 2019. That's what got me to this Instagram group, and on the Instagram page they have, uh, nature is indefinitely diverse, and so are we. We are, capital A-R-E, we are nature body liberation and anti-racism outdoors, events, podcast, shop, contact, blah, blah, blah. That's all at their website at unlikelyhikers.org. So I highly recommend you check both of those out. I wanted to share part of the abstract of the paper that I read, and it's not clinical and boring, so just stick with me everyone. Quote, the study highlights that the ways in which hikers have been represented in outdoor media, advertising, and wider social imaginaries present potential barriers to participation because it is 97% white, body normative, and heteronormative. Additionally, it highlights the legacies of colonialism framing default understandings of legitimate outdoors people as necessarily white, able-bodied, straight, and male, and how these legacies are then traced through four years of online ethnographic data And that ethnographic data was centered around this unlikely hikers' movement. It's a really great paper. Again, it's by Fiona Stanley, and she published it in 2019 if you're interested in reading academic articles, but I know most people aren't. One other quote I'm going to share from it, and then I'm done. Quote, while tangible and intangible mobility systems gave affordances to affluent men who began to hike... These men brought along with them baggage of their own social taste of distinction, ideology, and meaning. All that to say, they brought their standards to hiking. This perhaps explains why hiking even now maintains the hauntology, a word that I think is really awesome, I had to look it up, it just means the hauntings, of masculine-coded, colonializing narratives, such as... Mon- 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 Monroe, Monroe, I don't know how to say it. Monroe bagging, which is the conquering of peaks. So, <laughs> men would hike up to these peaks, and the way they conquered them is they'd slice the very top of it off, <laughs> which is <laughs> really weird and unnecessary. So, although wilderness space are open to all powerful imaginaries, of exclusion, construct the social meaning of hiking trails. All that that jargon means is outdoor spaces aren't talked about or presented or advertised as spaces for people who aren't these white, able-bodied, body-normative men. And unlikely hikers highlights all these fantastic people who get out in the wilderness despite the odds. In this paper, too, there's talk of the author, Phoebe who went out hiking, and she is what she calls a quote-unquote fat hiker, and she did part of the PCT, and people were constantly making these comments that they thought were nice and positive, but in reality, they were pretty demeaning. Like, wow, the real heroes out here are people like you. Mm. Just... Something that undercuts her self-confidence. A lot of people asked if she was okay, if she was
1: lost. Microaggression, body shaming.
0: Yep, Mm -hmm. exactly. So if you've ever experienced that, you're not alone. And there's a group of people out there (laughs) who are trailblazing, literally, to make that 97% of white male hetero advertising go away. So follow Unlikely Hikers
1: on Instagram. Liz, did you have anything you wanted to share? Well, um, I have actually been very much enjoying watching a TV series that I got to start. I was fortunate to be in London over the holidays with my teenager and was very fortunate to start watching while we were there and then had to wait a little while to catch up um, here when we got back to the States. But it's uh, around the world in 80 days. And oh. it's on Masterpiece Theater right now. And the main character, whose name I forget, you know, it's based on a Jules Verne novel that was written in the 1800s. The main character is played by David Tenet, who is one of my favorite actors. I don't know that name off the top of my head. What else is... David Tenet is probably best known for being probably the best Doctor Who
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't watched Doctor Who, but yeah. I am close to yeah. people who do.
1: <laughs> and then one other thing, i really excited to be reading a book that Hillary recommended to me, and it has just come in at Sam Weller's bookstore, so I'll be Ooh. picking it and up. And that's the new queer bookstore in Salt Lake, right? No, Sam Weller's. It's now actually called Weller Bookworks, and it's in Trolley Square. Oh. Um, you're thinking of Under the Umbrella bookstore, yes, which is also amazing, of. but Weller Book Works is established, has been an independent bookstore in Salt Lake for, oh gosh, 50 plus years. Oh, okay. Anyway, the book is called The Revolution Will Not Be Funded Beyond the Nonprofit Industrial Complex by Insight Women of Color Against Insight. That's what it says here. That doesn't make sense. Be <laughs> they're cutting just a, this part out. called Insight, yeah. Yeah. By a group of women of color called Insight, I'm <laughs> very much looking forward to reading that book. And yeah. I'm glad it's coming in.
0: That sounds like a great book. I'm interested to know how nonprofits play their part in that um, as somebody who just keeps working for nonprofits <laughs> and seeing how they sometimes can be hard places to be for all the reasons. Well, thank you for sharing that. I feel a little silly for not knowing that bookstore. I always, I'm like, Ken Sanders and... Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: No, it was down on Main Street Salt Lake for many, many years. It was opened by Sam Weller, who is now deceased, and his son, Tony Weller, and his wife, Kat Weller, are running the operation. Cool. I love family-owned
0: bookstores.
1: And Rare Books. It's one of the best bookstores in the
2: country, and I'm not kidding.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll have to drop by and probably drop more money than I should. Yeah, when I'm I needing
2: to get a book and I I stopped buying books on Amazon a long time ago, I always order it into Sam Weller and go pick it mm-hmm. up there because you can pretty much get any book that you want, and it comes in pretty quick. Yeah. It's worth the wait and not participating in Amazon's mm-hmm. <laughs> business model for sure.
0: Yeah, I've been going to, what's the one on 15th and 15th?
2: King's English. King's
0: English,
1: yeah. Yeah. Also a wonderful store. Yeah, Yeah.
0: they're all good. Yeah, support your local bookstores, folks. Hell Uh, yeah. And not Amazon. (laughs) Um. (laughs) So our topic today, again, is Red Rocks Music Festival. The friend group I hang out with raved about it. I couldn't go this year because I'm in grad school and... That's great, but it was a bummer to miss, especially when I heard all the rave reviews. So, my first question for the two of you is, what is Red Rocks Music Festival?
1: I'll start. (laughs) Well, the Red Rocks Music Festival is the continuation of what was the Women's Red Rock Music Festival so festival i could go a little bit into the history at this point or maybe i'll hold off on that for now but the red rocks festival is a two day event that is currently held down in springdale utah Ooh, and that's the gateway to Zion's zion national, national park, park just right. a very powerful and amazing and beautiful canyon if you've never been mm-hmm. there it's just gorgeous and there are indeed yeah. red rocks there true (laughs) really really big ones yeah (laughs) yeah so it it's a two-day music festival in this amazing setting in southern utah and it is a queer music festival it is a festival that centers and celebrates all marginalized genders at every aspect of the event
0: oh and i'm sure that's where the name change also came from from the you said women's red rocks music festival to now the Red Rocks Music Festival. Yes, which and is... it's Red Rocks with an X. Oh, yeah, so... I should have made that clear at the yeah. beginning. It's R-E-D, no space, R-O-X,
1: Yes, Red Rocks.
0: Yeah, I'd love to have you go into the history of it a little bit, because I know it's changed locations over time, and yeah. maybe somebody owned it, and then... Nobody owned it, and then
1: there's there's a (laughs) couple. We all owned it all along, I guess. A brief history of the event. Uh, The Women's Red Rock Music Festival was started, I'm not going to remember the exact year, but it ran for 12 years in Torrey, Utah. Okay, and that's pretty close to Zion, right? Torrey, Utah is really central, south-central Utah, and that's the town that's kind of the entrance to Capitol Reef National Park. Oh, okay, okay. The event was the brainchild of Carol Gennady, uh, who had relocated, had retired from the ACLU and relocated with her wife down to Torrey and got bored. (laughs) And And what do you do when you get (laughs) bored? And there's actually quite a, a large community of queer women and lesbians who live in Torrey Or have summer homes in Torrey and live in Salt Lake and so forth So she decided, being a music lover herself, that she wanted to start a festival that would celebrate women's music Music by women And the tagline of the event was music by women for everyone and so that went for 12 years after the 10th year and actually the other founders the key volunteers in that organization were Lori Wood Jerry Tafoya and Lou Prickett as well so they put the event on for about 10 years for exactly 10 years (laughs) and decided in that 10th year that they wanted to step back so they hoped that if it was the right time and the right place, that others would step forward and continue producing this event. That's when Hillary and I joined in, as well as Jandy mm-hmm. and a number of volunteers who had worked in the event up until that point stayed okay. on and new came in. So, y'all were the ones who yeah. did that step forward? Well, we did. Yeah, we did. And um, in the 11th and 12th year down in Torrey, we very much stuck to the format and the theme and all of the and the mission and the vision, and it was the Women's Red Rock Music Festival. We decided after the 12th year that we very much wanted to expand the mission and vision to be more inclusive of all marginalized genders. And we also wanted to start operating... Under a uh, different fiscal sponsor, 501c3, and so we were happy to be aligned now with Rock Camp,
0: oh, which you just okay. mentioned.
1: So Rock Camp SLC is the fiscal sponsor. And when of you Red say Rocks. fiscal
0: sponsor, does that mean Rock Camp SLC is a nonprofit, and then that nonprofit's like, yep, we take responsibility for this other group?
2: Yeah. Do you want to speak to what it means? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, nonprofits can do a lot of projects as long as those projects align with their mission. And sometimes nonprofits don't have the capacity to do an entire music festival on top of all their other programming. So yeah, it's just a way for us at Rock Camp SLC to expand our programming and, you know, the putting marginalized genders on the stage is a big part of our mission and what we do here in Salt Lake City so it was just a, a really great fit and Rock Camp SLC started out with a name, a different name, Rock and Roll Camp for Girls Yeah. and after our first summer we had a few kids who came to camp and by the next summer they were transitioning to non-binary and one was transitioning to male but they still really wanted to come to the camp and they knew it was a safe space for them and and we made a decision to change our name to just Rock Camp SLC and our mission, expand expanded to include non-binary, gender expansive is a term that we use, and all transgender kids. So that does mean transgender boys, non-binary, and transgender girls. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I remember you sharing that story, and I was sad to think that somebody would be like, well, can I no longer join because I'm
1: non-binary? So... Did the name change happen at the same time? I'm curious. It did. As we as we expanded the mission um, and the vision, we did change the name so that it would be more inclusive. The okay. X signifying the yeah. the gender
2: expansiveness. Yeah, and I, I think spectrum. one one important thing about the you know the history of women's Red Rocks music festival was that non-binary and transgender people have always been a part of the festival since the very beginning. They've always been welcome. They've been on the stage. One of the longest standing volunteers that we have, Bo, shout out to Bo if you're listening, is a non-binary <laughs> person. And so coming and volunteering for a music festival and buying tickets to it when you don't identify as a woman, sometimes it doesn't feel like it's it's your space too. Yeah. And so I think it was really important for us to make that distinction. And really the X at the end kind of signifies, you know, if, if you are able, if you live in a state where you can get a driver's license and you can actually get a gender marker, that's not male or female. Yeah, it's usually X. X. So the X to us kind of represents that variable and that non-binary and just really that, you know, you can identify however you want. Like gender identity is Mm -hmm. very expansive and yeah, uh, it's been really well received. I feel like in the community, the people who are used to coming when it was the women's festival, I think, you know, in our first year under the new name, really learned a lot about gender and about, you know, acceptance. And that was just a really big theme. So I I think it's paying off. And a big reason for changing the name is to start those conversations in the community about, well, what does this mean? You know, so it's working. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, when I saw the X in that, I first my mind went to folks, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. the way that queer folks, yeah, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) spell it F O L X, which I have put into academic my like emails to academics, and one of them corrected me and was like, "Well, um, we should have a discussion." But then I also thought of um, I worked at a high school for a while, and one of our teachers was mix. Oh, Ms. Yeah. Yeah. yeah to not be miss not be mister not be Misses, and I think if I were to ever go back to teaching I would do the same granted I would just have the kids call me by my first name <laughs> so but if I had to choose I, that's what I would go with so that's where my mind went there yeah if
1: I can speak just a little bit more to the more recent history of the yes, yes, too, please, before we move, this is before we move on year yeah. 13 right no <laughs> actually so here's where it gets fun. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. So when we when we expanded the mission vision and wanted to start working under another 501c3, under another nonprofit, uh, we lost our venue in Tory. The owners of the venue said, well, good luck to you, but we're going to use this venue for something else. So
0: Losers! <laughs> so that was
1: back in late 2018, like December, or it was maybe January of 19 yeah. when we found out that we okay. had lost our venue. So in 19, we technically did... The 13th event, but it was a fundraiser, wonderful music event at Mountain West Cidery. Oh, they're um, great. Yeah, they're wonderful. And they've been great sponsors of this event um, cool. in all the time that Hillary and I have been involved. So we did a fundraiser in 2019. We just were not able to find a new home and a new location and get everything done so quickly. So we did that, and we're excited, ready to rock. On. <laughs> (laughs) 2020 (laughs) happened Um, so in 2020 we had actually secured a venue down in Springdale we were planning on having the 2020 and the 2021 event in the town park now in 2020 we couldn't do it because in the of town park as in zion springdale springdale yeah. town park oh in the, in they the have town a little springdale like, yeah, yeah beautiful yeah. little park with a huge red rock wall background cool. just gorgeous I've never so <laughs> yeah so we were all ready to go we had gotten ready for that and then of course the pandemic hit and so we could not do that event yeah. in 2020 And then in 2021, we were very excited, started working on our plans to have the festival there in the Springdale Town Park. And in June of 2021, it was hit by a major flash flood, which (laughs) took out the park. The park (laughs) was taken out like... Yeah, completely completely, like big slabs of concrete. Just just like, okay. Yeah, because I remember it didn't happen in June. Well, in June is when that flash flood hit. We were planning on doing it in November. And we should mention that this happens. In November, mm-hmm. and will be in Springdale okay. going forward. But we were fortunate to have connected with a few local business people, and one of them, the owners of the Bit and Spur. I don't, Alex's last name is. Pelton? Yeah. Alex Pelton, the owner of the Bitten Spur Saloon, was willing to work with us. He's also an event organizer, and his biggest event was completely hosed by the flash flood as well. Oh man. (laughs) So we were able to relocate and hold the event in November 2021 at the Bitten Spur Saloon on their grounds. Also a wonderful, beautiful venue. Mm -hmm. And really more reminiscent of of the venue that we used to use in Torrey, a little bit more cozy okay. and quaint. And it was really wonderful um, working with our host, the Bitten Spur Saloon, all of the And is the Bitten Spur Saloon in Springdale as well? It is. It's right on the main strip of okay. Springdale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
0: moving forward... In November, next November, will it be at the Bitten Spur, or is it gonna? Do you know where it's gonna be?
1: We are planning on having it at the Bitten Spur. Okay, uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful. and we will know that for sure quite soon (laughs) hopefully before this podcast comes out all right (laughs) Um, the only thing you know and never say never right Mm because there are pandemics and flash floods and who knows what's next earthquakes windstorms yeah Yeah. but um the beaten spur is doing some construction so we'll we'll see but yes springdale has been a wonderful, wonderful place to be. The community in Springdale has been so welcoming and wonderful and open and queer positive and amazing. Oh, hell so yeah. we are definitely going back.
2: Aww. I don't know what to add to that, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think you know, our festival having persevering through the pandemic and through a flash flood is just very reminiscent of the resilience of the queer community. And, yeah. you know, there was a very small group of dedicated volunteers. Many of them have come to the festival since the very first one. I've been involved as an organizer since 2017. But before that, I've played drums at the festival with a couple of different bands over the years. So I just think it's just the love of that festival. And no matter what kept getting thrown at us. We were just going to find a way to have it and was really proud to be able to produce the event in 2021.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That leads really well into two questions. So I'm not sure what direction to take here is how did each of you get involved, but also why, why is this so important? Why do people love it so much? And you mentioned, you know, it's a festival for everyone. If you could go into that a little bit more and then share how each of you did originally get involved.
2: Um, yeah, I can start. So I heard about the Women's Red Rock Music Festival. I want to say it was 2013. Uh, there was an artist that I really liked, uh- a singer-songwriter from the East Coast. Her name is Chris Purica and she was performing there and I loved her and I really didn't know a lot about the festival and I also found out I had a friend that was local to Salt Lake that was playing so that was my first time at the festival. Absolutely loved it. I mean, one of the best things about the festival is just the audience, being in the mm-hmm. audience with mostly queer people and women and just that feeling and every single performer on the stage was amazing. So I fell in love with the festival. It kept coming back. So um, I played there the 10th year anniversary, I played drums in a band called Canyons. And then which is appropriate. Yeah. right. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that was the year that they had announced that the uh, founders were going to be stepping away. And they were looking for people who wanted to volunteer and step up into roles. So I just essentially went to a meeting. Well, and that's the (laughs) thing. I mean, I have been playing music for a long time. I've booked smaller shows. But I've never I had never booked a music festival before. Yeah. And so you know, part of being one of the organizers of the event is getting mentorship from the people who founded the event. And so in our first year, um 2017 was my first year actually booking music for the event and I was able to lean on you know Jerry Tafoya who was the person who was booking before and learned a lot from her. And really that opportunity allowed me to move into booking more stages. I was uh, the entertainment director for the Utah Pride Festival in 2018 and that was a lot of because of my experience in with Women's Red Rock Music Festival. So That's kind of how I got involved. And I feel like that's how I get involved with a lot of really cool communities in my life is just showing up for that one volunteer opportunity. Like that first meeting, just seeing, you know, I didn't think going to that meeting, I would be a a director (laughs) by any means. I thought I just wanted to keep it going and help in any way I could. So Big shout out for people who volunteer, and I have a lot of friends that are always looking for friends and community and looking for love, yeah. and it's like, I always tell them, go volunteer somewhere. It's something that you care about, and you'll find the most amazing people. So that's how I got involved, and I plan on just staying involved yeah. <laughs> in whatever capacity I needed for as long as this festival keeps going.
0: That's awesome, and I will second, as I have
2: uh,
0: talked about before, volunteering is awesome, If, yeah, if you want to learn something new, if you want to fall in love, if you're sad, (laughs) one of the best things to do is go out and volunteer, and whether that's with the music festival, with kids, doing some environmental work. It's just a great place to inhabit. And if you volunteer for two hours, somebody is going to be so grateful. You yes. won't understand why they keep thanking you. But as somebody who has had volunteers before, they it, you just do astonishing work with those volunteered hours. So go do it. <laughs> and at the end of this, we'll also talk about how maybe you can volunteer for Red Rocks. Sure. Um, but before we do that,
1: let's, I, Liz, let's hear how you got involved. Yeah, I, I got involved with Red Rocks. So or the first time I went to the Women's Red Rock Music Festival was a little bit after when you're talking about, maybe around 2015. Mm-hmm. As well as I was going to say, a spectator, just as a, an attendee <laughs> yeah. sitting in the audience, which is really odd for me because I so agree with what you've both said about volunteering, mm-hmm. and especially around events, mm-hmm. I can't just sit still to be entertained. <laughs> I want to help put it on, and I want to have a great time and meet people. And da, da, da. it's almost but, weird to be at an event yeah. and not be putting it I feel on, right? <laughs> right? Like, oh, I wonder okay. how uh, now. What with do the I do? not yeah. know. Yeah. Now what do I do? But um, so. I went. I I would have gone. I knew of the event earlier on, and I would have gone earlier, but it happened at the exact same time as the Michigan Women's Music Festival, which was an event I had volunteered for for about fifteen years. I've heard rumors yeah. and
0: stories and yeah.
1: about how great that and was. It's, it's an it was an amazing organization, an amazing event. It lasted for forty years, and it was it grew out of the lesbian separatist movement in the 1970s. So it was very strictly restricted to their policy was women born women, which is a category I don't actually agree exists, Yeah, but <laughs> it was very powerful at the time. I'll make an analogy of there is a time and a place for say people of color only space yeah. or people who have been raised as women in the world and especially earlier on yeah however part of the reason why that event came to an end is because it was a thing yeah. and the world progressed yeah. The exclusivity beyond and-
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah so i went to the women's red rock music festival for the first time to try to find a piece of that same kind of community that i was finding at michigan it was very different very wonderful and yeah like hillary said all of a sudden, I showed up at a meeting. I think that was the first time you and I even met was I so. at that oh, wow. meeting. Oh, my in um, my head,
0: you've just been friends forever. But... <laughs> no.
1: Well, only about seven years <laughs> yeah. now, I guess. But, uh, no, not even that. Like no, five. Four, was four like five years, was or yeah. 16 right Wow, yeah. really?
0: Because yeah. yeah. mm-hmm. I, I met the both of you doing the Pride Festival stuff in, I think, 2000. It would
1: 16 have been or like seventeen. Yeah, probably. Seventeen. 17. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So oh. yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> anyway. So uh that's like, well, this is really important and wonderful and an amazing event. And I do like this kind of thing, so let's just do it. At the time I joined on Red Rocks or Women's Red Rock, I was actually the Pride Festival director. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, no problem. I can do I'm going to do this huge, huge festival in Salt Lake City, and I'll just do this other little festival just as a hobby. <laughs> you just
0: love juggling. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So it was wonderful. So that's how I got involved.
0: That's really cool. Is there one thing in particular? I know I already asked you what you're most excited to talk about, but is there one thing or one event or time that's part of the festival that's your favorite? Maybe of the last one that just stood out to you, a moment that was just
1: so great? Oh, gosh. So many, Hillary. Do you have one right <laughs> off the top of your head? I have them, um,
2: but I would say at the last. So the the Red Rocks Music Festival that we just produced in 2021. For me, it was the night that Lady Shug performed and she was one of our drag queens. And Lady Shug uses she or they pronouns. They identify as non-binary using she or they. And they're an indigenous drag queen from New Mexico. And during the pandemic, I started watching a lot of drag, a lot of drag race, and then also a, a show that started on HBO called We're Here. And that show is about these drag queens who have or famous they've been on rupaul's drag race and they go to really small rural towns and they bring a drag show to that town and they how cool it is really cool and they usually find some queer community members there who want to do drag or some that are doing drag but have to drive to bigger cities to do it and watching uh lady suge you know during the pandemic and all that loneliness everything just gave me so much hope and their drag is very political it's very indigenous and they're always advocating for indigenous rights and um I wanted to make sure that when I was booking the music, that I was centering indigenous voices, especially because the land that we were on, you know, being, yeah. it was uh, Dene, you know, a lot of Dene people and uh, Lady Suga's Dene. I didn't think I could book, Lady shook, but I tried anyway. And we had an amazing conversation on Zoom together. And they were just really excited to perform. And so the first night when they, they got on stage and did a performance, it just really felt like everything kind of came together. And it was just amazing to just Act, have her actually physically there with oh, us so, so cool. it was really cool
0: yeah I bet you walked away from that zoom call like hell yeah oh yeah yeah I definitely <laughs> like had
2: to have my freak out moment when we hung up and like tried not to fangirl too hard <laughs> I try to play it kind of cool <laughs> but awesome. um they were so down to earth and um just a pleasure to work with throughout the whole festival and um yeah just someone that now I feel like you know, I know them and they know me and they want to get connected and come back to Salt Lake City oh, and perform. So, cool. so, yeah, it was really cool.
0: Way to make somebody you were a fan of your friend. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I love
2: that.
1: How about you, Liz? Well, I, there was an event, one thing that happened as we left the festival grounds on Saturday night. So, the festival was over and we were going to come back on Sunday. And tear it down. Yeah. It wasn't that late, like around 10 o'clock or so, and I was walking with... A group of maybe 8 or 10 people some of which I knew and others I didn't know and there was a trans woman in this group of people I was walking with who looked over and said there's somebody laying in the parking lot over there we should go help them and so this I don't know the woman's name but shes she just immediately started going over to help this person and, and we helped this person they had been overserved.
0: <laughs> okay. but also <laughs> yeah
1: they were a, a local, a, a local to Washington County, and also their wife had just left them that day, oh. and <laughs> so they were wow. in a total mess. And,
0: and to be clear, Washington
1: County is yeah, uh, yeah, St. George, Springdale, Springdale is. Yeah, all okay. of that's Washington County, um, that whole area. And so we helped this person up and put him over out of the parking lot, talked him into the idea of not laying in the parking lot in the dark. <laughs> a good idea. Him, <laughs> and then went to the restaurant once again. they they were so helpful and, and told them what was going on and then they took over from there. But then this group of people who had stopped to help this person they didn't know, mm-hmm. we all started walking across the street together and a voice of somebody I don't know and I didn't turn around to look spoke to me from behind me. I identified the voice as a voice of a trans woman. And just said thank you so much for keeping us safe. And when I remember that and that oh, feeling, yeah. it still brings tears to my eyes because I was only doing it because I wanted to do it. Oh, this is either mine. <laughs> yeah, the impact was just amazing. <laughs> because there we are walking at night in the dark in a small rural town yeah. where a lot of people and a lot of queer people would not feel safe. Yeah. To to. Feel that and feel it sometimes for the first time is oh. so incredibly powerful and that is part of what i mean by that space we create
0: yeah yeah oh <laughs> that's a great moment to share thank mm-hmm. you
1: I I totally got sidetracked. Well, I took all the credit. I took all the credit
2: for being the one that created all the safety. That's what I did. I took all the credit.
0: Let's see what my next questions are. Um, I had a few. I wanted to go back and talk about just a few terms that people might not know. So you mentioned women born women and that ideology and that you don't agree
1: with it. Can you speak more to that and what that's about for folks who just don't know? I could. I could. Well, we could talk about it in a couple of different ways, but one thing, it's its a term that has been used in the past, a lot in, in feminist literature and so forth. At this point in the world, so many of us do understand and believe and know that gender <laughs> is a construct. Yes. That one is not born a woman. The first time I was introduced to the idea of one is not born a woman is when I was reading when I was in college, Back in the late 80s, (laughs) French feminist philosophy, Simone de Beauvoir, one is not born a woman, one becomes one. Mm -hmm. So this is not a concept, this being born in a gender is a concept that has been discussed and debated for many, many years. But the category of women born women is... It's it's a term it doesn't make sense to me like I said because I believe people do learn gender. Yeah. It's kind of like what it was intended to mean in the Michigan Women's Music Festival space is if you were assigned female at birth. Okay. That's what yeah, it really AFAB. Yeah, AFAB is a term that so many more people these days are familiar with. So when I say women born women, that's yeah. the closest synonym I can think of or the closest thing okay. is like, if you're AFAB, then you're welcome at this event. Yeah. So
0: that's interesting. Um, I interviewed my friend Ronan, shout out to Ronan on the podcast. And, um, when you first said women born women, I thought, uh, that sounds like very exclusive. um not inviting uh, trans women into the conversation or onto the platform. And Ronan talked about how women shouldn't be upset that either women are transitioning to be men or men are transitioning to be women because one, they should be like, okay, like, I'm glad you figured it out. And then if a man, I guess I've never said assigned male at birth. What's the acronym for that? It's AMAB. 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 Okay. I've always said AFAB, but not AMAB. (laughs) Um, So if someone's AMAB and then they decide to um, transition and become a woman... People who identify as women should be like, yeah, like, welcome to our team. If you want to call it a team, uh, the way that Ronan described it was way more poetic and wonderful and made more sense. So you should all go listen to that episode if you haven't. But that's what that made me think of.
1: Yeah, so. I think it's it com it's a very complex conversation, and it actually it gender is so important to so many people individually and collectively and in a a society, there's a lot of discomfort around it, around discussions of gender. And my true belief is once you fuck up the gender binary, (laughs) everything changes Mm -hmm. and for the better. And that's what is so exciting about working in radical queer spaces where we all believe gender is a construct and we can do whatever we want with it.
0: This makes me just really want to go to the festival. You Um, should. (laughs) That's Um, the whole point, George. yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I have to admit that I haven't gone, but I really want to. The last time I felt anything like that was back in the past, before the pandemic when we were at the Pride Festival. That was the first time I felt that. And gosh, it's just so great to be surrounded by so many passionate people in a space like that, that's another reason why volunteering is great. Because you just meet all these wonderful, passionate, thoughtful people who care so much. And you know, I I don't want to hang out with people who don't care. So I I can't wait to go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you gotta wait till November. Yeah, yeah, I'll wait.
0: I'll wait. Tell folks how they can get involved if they're interested in either volunteering or performing or just attending?
2: Well, we are always looking for volunteers to do all kinds of things, whether that's a little bit of security, kind of like standing by an entrance or, you know, helping with garbage, helping with logistics. So you can go to redrocksmusicfest.org and there is an application on there to become a volunteer and tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what you're interested in doing. And, you know, as far as coming to the festival if you don't want to volunteer <laughs> and you just want to come check it out you can also just buy tickets on our website it's a two-day festival so it starts on a friday night it's the first weekend in november friday night and then all day saturday um, and you can buy a weekend pass on our website
0: cool and again that's red rocks r-e-d-r-o-x, R-E-D-R-O-X. yes
2: so that's red rocks music festival and it's r-e-d-r-o-x music dot org And I'll mention one other
1: thing. A lot of people think, how could I go to an outdoor concert in November? (laughs) It's what we learned from some of the locals in Springdale that's very true is that that first weekend in November is the most amazing time to be there. The tourist season really kind of wraps up in October, but most of the businesses are still open. And it's warm. It's perfect yeah. weather. It yeah, because it's south. Yeah, it was only around maybe 45 at night, mm-hmm. and right around 70 degrees during oh, the day. And that's
0: perfect, especially when you're beautiful. at a
1: concert. Yes, yeah. yeah. Being
0: at a concert when it's 90 out—that's
1: yeah. yeah. It was it sucks. perfect. And then having Zion Canyon right there as well. There's so much other wonderful um, outdoor stuff to do.
2: Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. If I went make a I, whole... all day Sunday, I would just, yep. Yep.
2: you know, if I wasn't volunteering, of You're course, right. <laughs> a lot of people will come down the day before and do hiking. And then, um, even like Friday during the day, they'll get up early, go and hike a little bit in Zion Canyon. And then the festival, you know, starts around four o'clock on Friday you do that Friday and Saturday, and then Sunday get another hike in yeah. before you head home. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's really nice great. to be so close. And Springdale is a very green town. They have a shuttle. That will take you all over town into Mm -hmm. the park So you don't have to drive a lot when you're there If you're coming from Salt Lake or St. George We really encourage people to carpool To get there um, And you can rent e-bikes, which are awesome And even now there's a trail that's open Through Zion National Park where you can actually Take e-bikes Yeah, I heard that that just
0: opened in the past year or so Yeah,
2: I haven't been on it yet because I think It opened maybe right after our festival But next year I'm definitely Going to (laughs) be renting an e-bike and going That sounds really cool I went to
0: Zion for my friend Dane and Emily's birth Or not birthday. It wasn't their birthday. It was their wedding. Uh, hard brag. I got invited to Dane's wedding. Um, it was super fun. And they were talking about those trails. That was in October. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm excited for that. I think that... It makes it more accessible for a lot more people, and then you don't have to be in a car. And it's fine to be in a car, but how cool to to be on a bike and zip around those trails. I was going to ask you, Hillary, a little bit more about the performers that you're able to book and why it is so important to put diversity on the stage and, I guess, acknowledge the grave lack of diversity
2: in pop culture. Yeah, you know, less than 25% of the professional music industry that you see on the stage are are women and when you're talking about 20 wh- less than 25% are women. <laughs> um, that's nuts. That I thought booked. you were going to
0: go <laughs> in a different direction with that. No, and women. that's
2: and that's, you know, just on the stage and people you see on the stage when we're talking about producers and booking people and music producers and um, record companies, that's very very male, cisgender male dominated. And so that's women when you think about, you know, transgender people and non-binary people, that number gets smaller and smaller. Yeah. But you know, what we consume in media is really what builds our culture. And so, you know, it's always been important for me to seek out diverse voices. There's a really cool, you mentioned Instagram earlier, there's a cool Instagram you should look up called Book More Women. And what they do is they'll take a a poster from a big music festival like Coachella, and they have all the names of everyone who's playing. And then you slide in the next picture, they've removed all of the men and just shows just the women. And the poster is just so sparse. It's got like... A little name here, a little name here, and it really just shows you. And and in order for it to count as a band that's like a, a woman band, it has to have at least just one woman in it. Oh, and that's man. how many. Like you should definitely check that out because it's like
0: it, the low bar of the best. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, just <laughs> meet this really small criteria. Yeah,
2: yeah. and it's just it's really eye opening because I think when you you grow up in a cisgender male dominated culture, you don't really notice it. It's just yeah. it's just there, you know, just and you're just kind of, of living what? in it until yeah. someone. brings it to your attention. So, a big part of you know booking people from marginalized genders is representation, and also just storytelling. You know, song songwriting, and even drag performances that are storytelling. And it's important for those stories to be told, and for people to you know just have somebody telling a story that they can identify with and you know when i used to go to the women's red rock music festival i was introduced to so many artists who were singing about things that i cared about like queer love you know and like i remember when i was younger listening to melissa etheridge and that song like come to my window and i had no idea she was gay i didn't know anything about gay people but like (laughs) finding out later like oh she's just like talking to a woman and like having to sneak around and those are just themes and and things that i think as a queer person sometimes you can feel really lonely, you know, that there's not that representation. And a lot of the representation we do see is, like, pop artists, and they have to be skinny, and they have to be full of makeup, and they have to... like body. Yeah, they have to dance while they sing, and, like, you rarely see female pop stars holding an instrument. They're typically just singing. I mean, like, somebody like Adele, she's an amazing pianist. Lady Gaga is an amazing musician, plays piano, plays guitar, but you don't always see that, and so... Most of
0: the posters are of them just singing like i yeah, can't see their the face with them
2: <laughs> yeah with an instrument and it kind of feeds into that like when you see women and they're they're represented somewhere like what's important about them well their face and their look and their you know their voice but maybe not some of their other talents you know like Karen Carpenter was a badass drummer and most people don't know that because they've only just heard her voice on the Carpenters records but she's one of the best drummers male or female or anything like that I've ever seen in my life. And if you look on on YouTube, you can look her up and she's just like slaying on the drums. But (laughs) the the time that she was on the radio, like nobody cared that she could play the drums. They probably were like, don't do that. You're going to push fans away, you know, (sighs) which is so bizarre. I do feel like that's why I'm really passionate about it and why it's so important to me because I didn't see a lot of that representation growing up and You know, in the 90s, the Lilith Fair came out and there was, you know, this big push for, like, women in music. And what's the Lilith Fair? The Lilith Fair, I I don't remember what year it came around, but it was, like... The, it was like one of the biggest music festivals that featured mostly women artists which was just a new radical thing kind of <laughs> for the 90s. And it was a traveling. Yeah, it thing. was traveling, it, yeah. Yeah. It would like come to Sarah different McLachlan
1: towns. was one of the main oh. main performers or even organizers yeah, of it maybe? Yeah, I think yeah. she might have
2: been one of the organizers. Yeah. So when you think of like pop stars and everything, there's not a lot of lesbian representation. You don't see, I think you're seeing it more and more now, yeah. but I think it's because of, you know, small festivals like ours and, you know, just bringing it into the public consciousness, because a lot of times we talk about this festival and people are like, well, I'm a man. Can I come to your festival? Well, <laughs> yeah, you can come and you could be in the audience and you can support the people on stage, but we really reserve the stage for those genders that just yeah. aren't represented. And we celebrate them too. It's not just about putting those people on stage in a tokenizing way it's like they get to talk about their gender like our MCs throughout our talking about gender we had um in in the festival in 2021 we had our first transgender male performer from california his name's ryan casada and he was the first transgender man to play on the warped tour so just like a trailblazer in his own right amazing singer songwriter and just being able to show trans men and non-binary people and women and just just the amount of diversity in their sound and in like what they're talking and singing about, I think, has the ability to reach every person in the audience on, you know, different levels, no matter what their life experiences are. Yeah. yes.
1: Yeah. And Hillary, wasn't it something like... 40 percent of the performers on stage were trans or non-binary yeah 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 it was- so you talk about how underrepresented women have been yeah. traditionally <laughs> and then long. when it's all women and trans and non-binary people it's amazing but it, the impact on people in the audience i think i think people don't even understand <laughs> um i there were a number of folks Uh, who I know who at this particular event simply said I had no idea how important it would be for me to see people like me not only on stage, but truly the center of attention and
2: celebration.
1: It's like, yeah, well, (laughs) right. (laughs) One of
2: our, one of our performers from the 2021 festival is a transgender woman who writes music out of Iowa. Her name's Anomaly Brennett. And in 2017, when I was first booking the festival, um, we put up applications for people who wanted to play and she found us and, Applied for the festival, but then sent a separate email and just saying, Hey, I'm a transgender woman and I'm not sure if your festival allows transgender women to play. And which was this oh, like, yeah, so right? My heart it, hear. it, it hurt my heart. And I thought, this is something that we need to do better. We need to make sure that in all of our branding and everything we're talking about that we're very trans inclusive space and a trans celebratory space and it really just just her bringing that to my attention and asking that question really changed how I thought about marketing the festival and even the name change you know that the name change to Red Rocks came really from a lot of conversations with her and with you know some of the audience members who've been coming for years. We even have a lot of our audience members when they came the first few years identified as lesbians and cisgender women, mm-hmm. and now identify as non-binary or yeah. agender. And so they've transitioned, and it, I think for them to see a festival transition along with them to make sure that it's you know just always a, an inclusive space, not just. They knew they could always come, but like in name, in our marketing, I think it's really important. And when I first got involved with rock camp, I was very like this feminist, like <laughs> we're going to do something because the boys have too much stuff, you know? And I think that's baby step one of feminism, you know, and you're just like, this isn't fair, but my eyes hadn't really been open so much to how many different genders there were and how important it was to make those spaces inclusive in the name. And so I've just learned a lot. And I think it's important to not be afraid to start things, but especially not be afraid to like take feedback and to do something about it and not just say... Well, that's just a couple people and it's okay. Yeah. You know, like if you're, if your event isn't accessible and inclusive to even one person, it's just not accessible yeah. and inclusive. You can't call it that. So we're always striving to make our event better and better and always taking feedback from the community. Mm-hmm. I think, like I said, no matter what you're organizing, it's just important mm-hmm. to not ignore those voices and to just make them Or take those uh, suggestions And it always makes your event better when you do
0: I think it's great that you acknowledge that there are Different steps in Learning about gender And everything (laughs) But gender especially because so many People will have made A decision and then when Something is brought up of like hey Could you change this or like hey I'm you know That uh, transgender woman Who wasn't sure if she could come A lot of people will try to Excuse what they did Mm. and not Change and stand by their decision. You see that a lot in like filmmaking. A good example is Spike Lee when he made the original She's Gotta Have It. There was a rape scene in it and he. It was totally unnecessary and people approached him and they said, hey, that's not okay. And a lot of other directors would have been like, well, that's a decision I made and here's all the reasons. And he was like, yeah, no, honestly, out of my entire film career, the only thing that I regret is doing that. Mm -hmm. And then he remade the movie into a series and it was great, much better than the movie. So it's cool to see that progress. And I mean, I'm going through and I learn a lot of it from the community that I'm a part of with y'all and that's been nice for me
2: yeah and I think you know one of one of the words that I've learned that helps me understand that feeling is just the word fragility Mm -hmm. and it comes with like white fragility it can come you know in a lot of different ways like masculine fragility male fragility and it really is just that that initial instinct to be defensive like if someone says Hey, what you just said is racist. No, I'm not a racist. Like, no, I didn't call you a racist, but like what you just said is rooted in racism. And you have to be able to just listen and get rid of that need to be defensive and defend your organization or your decision or whatever, Mm -hmm. and just be able to say, wow, thanks for telling me. I have a lot of blind spots. Everybody has blind spots. You know, it's not something that you were raised with or not part of your identity, it's okay to have blind spots. What's not okay is just ignore those and yeah. to tell people like, too bad for you. We're going to keep doing our thing the way we want to do it. I've embraced like being wrong sometimes. And yeah. you know, I've learned more things in my life being wrong about something than I have ever <laughs> learned in a book or, you know, being right about something. So I think just embracing your blind spots and accepting them and just doing better is all we can do as humans.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's a good book about that called Being Wrong.
1: Oh
2: really?
0: Who it's by? I'll
2: look it up. But yeah, (laughs) you
0: just look it up. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Well, there's there's one other
1: thing that you know we've we've been pretty focused on gender Mm -hmm. in this whole conversation. But there's one other thing that us as the directors of this event, all of the volunteers of this event and other events that we work on, are completely committed to, and that is continuing to always be more and more inclusive and do better, and also. Sustainability is a really big deal. We do not want to produce events that harm the earth. So, <laughs> I'm all yeah. about
0: sustainability and just you know it.
1: So, Refusing to sell bottled water and um, making sure there's good recycling and having good policies and practices around making the event more accessible to people who have physical disabilities and so forth. And so we'll just keep trying to be better and be more inclusive every single time we do this yeah
0: that's great can i ask because in case folks who are listening don't know i was the sustainability director for the utah pride festival what do you do
1: instead of using bottled water We have jugs of water that we fill up with just hose water with an RV filter (laughs) on the end of it. Nice. So we create our own filtered water, and then we encourage people to bring their own reusable containers, and we do provide some paper. Nice. That's great. That's awesome.
0: Uh, I do know that the aluminum cans are, turned out to be pretty good options.
1: Yeah, that's something I thought I've wanted to look into more. And also the little kind of milk carton water, maybe. Oh,
0: yeah. Um, Those are, I know, often plastic. Those are absolutely not recyclable. Oh, Um, no. (laughs)
2: Aluminum would be better.
0: But even, yeah. 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 And the paper cups, once they're wet, not recyclable so a lot of things I learned working with y'all as the sustainability director but um yeah basically what I've come to conclude after you know spending a lot of time talking about sustainability and recycling is that just don't use plastic. Yeah, like, don't <laughs> just quit it. it. Yeah, it. <laughs> and don't buy from Amazon. So <laughs> that's great that y'all are trying to make the festival more
2: sustainable. Always love to hear that. Yeah, um, and this last year, our, our stages were powered by a couple of generators that were gas-powered. So we ended up using about 10 to 12 gallons of gas to run a festival for two days, which isn't a lot, but we are going to be moving to solar-powered generators. We've got a few different people that I've been in contact with that do them. Some of them, my biggest concern is just like it's got to be reliable, so if it's a cloudy day, yeah. and like make sure that that will run. But the technology around solar-powered generators has come so far in the last few years that um, it's becoming more accessible for small events like ours to rent a trailer that's got that kind of generator. So that's what we're hoping for yeah, in 2022. That's really cool. Yeah.
0: And I mean, you can always have a
1: backup.
2: Yeah, right? yeah. So, <laughs> so no maybe our gas that. will be back up this <laughs> This year And we'll We'll try to go Fully powered by the sun That would be awesome Awesome
1: And then one other thing We tried to do in 2021 But we decided not to do it Because still Of the COVID risk Yeah Is that uh, We will be In 2022 Renting a coach bus So we can Bus a bunch so of folks cool. From northern Utah Down to the venue So it people It would be so fun To ride a bus Oh you them. know <laughs> it You know it would be So much fun And then we could probably probably keep forty cars off the road. Yeah. So, yeah, that's so we great. keep trying to think of more and more things we can do. Uh, well if I come up with anything, okay. I'll let you know. That's... Well maybe you want to volunteer as yeah, the, maybe I do. as the bus <laughs> as the bus tour guide. Oh there you go. Oh, I would
0: love that. And you know I love talking. That's why I started a podcast. So <laughs> to wrap it up, is there anything else you wanted to
2: share? I just wanted to talk about special discount that we're gonna give to your podcast listeners. <laughs> So if <laughs> so you exciting. if you go to our website, redrocksmusicfest.org, you can buy tickets. And if you use the code GREENROCKS, and that's G-R-E-N-R-O-X, all one word, um, you can get $20 off of your ticket to the festival.
0: Woo! awesome. Thank you so much. That's great. Take advantage of that, folks. It's going to be a great festival. Well, let's go over again the date, the location, the price, where to find you online, whether that's the website and or social media.
2: Yeah. So the Red Rocks Music Festival happens the first weekend in November. So that this year, November 5th and 6th, and it happens in Springdale, Utah at the Bitten Spur uh, Saloon. The ticket prices are $75 for a weekend pass. That's the online Early bird price, so you're going to want to get the ticket early. If you buy the ticket at the gate, it's ninety dollars. Okay. So get your ticket early and with the w-
0: promo code. Yeah,
2: with the <laughs> promo code. And again, that's Red Rocks R E D R O X MusicFest dot org. Cool.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much. Anything else? Rock on. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I need to thank my friend AJ for doing the intro music. I still love it. I still enjoy listening to it when I have to re-listen to my podcast. So thank you, AJ. And as my dad always says, use your head and be clever. Bye, everyone. Bye. Ciao.